Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies. And today, we're going to be talking with Drew Carbonito. He's focused on franchising. He's essentially a franchise matchmaker, and he's going to talk about both sides of it. What makes for a good franchise to, to invest in and what you should do if you are interested in setting up your business as a franchise model. We're going to tackle both sides of the conversation today, and we'll be chatting with Drew right after this. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Welcome to another podcast, Coffee Break Podcast. Drew, thank you for being here. You've got coffee. It's delicious. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, it was, it was hand-brewed coffee. A lot of love in that one. A lot of love and, and almond milk. So uh, we appreciate you being here today. We'll talk a little bit about how we arrived at this table today in just a, a few minutes. But uh, before that, we have to get into rapid fire. It's five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values. Let's go. You ready? I'm ready for this. I saw it earlier. I've been I've been like mentally preparing for these. Yeah, Drew said before we started recording, he's like, uh, I I saw some of the episodes, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure exactly what's. And it's really not that bad, but they are random questions. That he I asked have. some pretty good questions. Well, yeah. I mean, they're just ones I've I've garnered from other places, and I don't really know the purpose of them. But they just show up. So well, I'm you. ready. You ready? Thanks. What new ideas are giving you energy lately? Oh man. Um, there's one. Um, Just one I, idea. You asked for one, right? Um, I've gotten into digital marketing and advertising, and okay. I, I've kind of spun off like a little mini advertising agency that go. uh, got its first client last week. There you go. Yeah. So uh, it, it was completely accidental. It was just one of these things like somebody reached out to me and they're like, hey, can you, do you know anything about this? I'm like, yeah. They're like, can you help us? I'm like, yeah. Like, how much is it going to cost? I have no idea. Like, let me think about it. But, uh, but it went. So the number that scares you plus twenty percent. There you go. And they didn't say no. Yeah. So I was too low. Yeah, exactly. That's. I. I was. I was listening to a book. Uh, no, it was a podcast. A podcast this past week, and it was with Gino Wickman. Yeah, from uh, Traction. Traction. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a new book out uh, called The Entrepreneur Edge or something like that. I probably just butchered that, but anyways. Uh, and he was talking about they were they were talking about pricing and all this stuff and how do you set up your pricing model? And it was like whatever number that scares you plus twenty percent. And I was like, ooh, that's really scary. <laughs> but anyways, okay. Uh, number two, what life lesson did you learn the hard way? What life lesson did I learn the hard way? So I lost my mom when I was 25 to cancer. Okay. Um, that was a lesson I didn't really, nobody should have to learn sure. that young. Um, but, you know, that was a, a lesson in humility in life and just make the best of it and, um, you know, focus on what you can control and give people a lot of love. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a big one. It's focus on what you can control. That's, that's really, that's very interesting, especially in times like we're in right now. You know, there's, everything is out of control. So all you can do is focus on what you can yeah. and then worry about that. Number three, what are you an expert at? God, it's going to sound so self-serving, but I, I do think I'm considering myself an expert at franchising. Really? Um, yeah, it's just totally accidental, random, random, uh, fell into it 14 years ago and have been in it ever since. So I spent my entire professional life franchising. It's always kind of nerve wracking asking that question, because if you answer it, something that we're not going to be talking about today, it's like, well, why are we talking about something that you're not an expert at? Uh, there's my plug. There uh, you go. Number four, what's the last place that you'd be caught dead? The last place that I would be caught dead. 
All right. So if, like right now, my wife and I committed to going on a big diet and getting okay. healthy because, you know, we kind of, you know, comfort, we had a lot of comfort food through sure. this whole thing. So I would not be caught dead in a fast food restaurant. And okay. I, I'm like, for me to say that it's mm. difficult because I'm like, kind of like a, you know, I'm a lazy eater, sure. but I've had this like shift in my mindset around, like, I actually think it's kind of gross now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know what changed other than... Now, what do you classify as fast food versus quick service? Yeah, good question. So like a McDonald's, like I wouldn't... I wouldn't what about cookout? Right now. I mean, they have a lot of good stuff. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, and they have like more variety. Yeah. So like, you know, that's a good question. Um, but right. I'd probably have to put it, you know, just for where I am right mm -hmm. now in my journey of getting healthier, I'd have to say that I would, I would have to put cookout in the same category as McDonald's. Yeah. It's been probably eight years since I've been to McDonald's. Really? Yeah. Inside or like drive through? No, at all, period. Good for you. Since I've purchased anything from McDonald's. Eight years. Yeah. Good for you. Not cookout though. Cookout is different. That's why I, that's why I was asking for classification. <laughs> Can I ask why? Well, it had to change my lifestyle. Yeah? Same thing, yeah. Yeah? Really? Yeah. If you're gonna change something, you have to change something. That's yeah. that's part of the process. So you can do it. I yeah. believe in you. I'm, I think I'm there, at least today. Yeah. Just, just don't go by cookout because the smell. Is <laughs> <I think> a, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's actually a McDonald's within a rock throwing distance of here. And on occasion in the evenings, I'll take a run around the, there's like a three mile loop around here and you run past a cookout uh, and then a McDonald's is right up, right next to it. And it's like, you're running and you're sweating and all you smell is this scent of grilled beef. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I got off, caught, on, caught off on that, but uh, number five, which celebrity would you pick to exchange lives with? Wow. Which celebrity? Athletes count? I guess. There's not really any specifics around our questions here. You know, I, it's like the one sport, I've been kind of watching this because it's the one sport that's back, but like a, like a, like Lionel Messi, you know, like a European soccer player who gets to travel the world playing yep. soccer and doing a bunch of cool stuff. And I've always tried to be a good soccer player, but I've never, never really got there. But I just think the, the you know, having that kind of skill, but also being able to go travel the world and see sure. the whole world through the, you know, the game of soccer would be pretty cool. I guess, I guess soccer is a more internationally traveled sport than, than most, you know, you, you, NFL, NBA, that's, I mean, they do international travel on occasion, but it's mostly domestic. That's interesting. I don't understand the sport of soccer, so yeah. Whoever you just said is probably really famous, but I have no idea. You don't know who he of, is? Oh, oh, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a good soccer player. So he's really he, good, really good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> cool. All right, you passed five questions. Rapid fire. We'll give you a score of seven hundred and twenty-four. So okay, good I'll work. Take it. Thank you. I don't know what that means, but congratulations. <laughs> Well, so to, the reason we're here today is to talk about franchising. Um, and you and I met through Kurt Graves, who is uh, a Vistage chair. And if you don't know what Vistage is, you can pause this and go Google Vistage and you'll find out all kinds of information. How do you know Kurt? Through Vistage. Um, I had been um, through one of the companies I was working for. I was in Vistage with another chair, okay. um, Dave Zierfoss. And um, and then I left that company to go do some kind of my first step into kind of entrepreneurship. It was doing, um, I was an independent contractor for an international company. Yeah. And, uh, then I started doing my own thing, which is helping people buy and buy franchises. Um, and I, I, 
and it's kind of a lonely gig because it's just me, and I never really sure. thought about that. So um, I missed Vistage and just reached out to Kurt and said, hey, what's this? Uh, I, I want to get reconnected. Can I and, come join your group? Yeah, exactly. I'm a little lonely. Uh, would you mind if I come yeah. hang out with you for a little bit? Um, no, but it, and uh, so we got to talking, and he's a, he's just a great dude all around, and um, it's a good fit. And yeah. um, that was about that was probably like nine months ago, something like that, and um, – very cool. Here I am. Yeah, and, and Kurt is a, well, that's one of the great things about him. He's a good connector of people. And so I got an email from him a couple of weeks back, and he said, hey, Chad, meet Drew. Drew, meet Chad. You guys talking uh, and, and get to know each other. So uh, that was cool. So we appreciate uh, Kurt kind of connecting the conversation here. The topic that we're going to be talking about is franchising, is how do you look for a franchise and should you franchise your business? So we'll kind of bounce around between those conversations. But it's interesting, I think, even now, you know, our, our podcast is really focused towards business owners, leaders, managers. So I think that there's probably an element of people that are going, well, is, should I be looking at a franchise? Should, should I, is that something that I should, should go after right now? Maybe things change have changed recently in, in, in life and in what's happening in the economy. Is this something I want to take a venture out of? Uh, or is my business set up and structured for franchising to kind of continue to grow and expand? So that's kind of the direction I want to want to have that conversation today. And it's it's very intriguing to me because um, you mentioned entrepreneurship and your first stab at entrepreneurship, and it's an t- interesting topic for me. I love to dive down that rabbit hole from time to time. And ju- you know, it, just a few months ago, I was mentioning a new book from Gino Wickman. One of the things, um, and I would encourage anybody to check that out. I'm pretty sure it's called an entrepreneurial uh, edge whatever I called it, but he's got it. If you, if you search Gino Wickman book uh, and don't go to traction, but he has another book that's out right now. And he's got this website that is, he's got this assessment. I'm getting to a point here. So bear with me. <laughs> he's got an assessment to see what your, your score is for entrepreneurship. Because as you just mentioned, it's a, it can be a lonely at times. It's a little scary as you're making that first venture. So what is from your perspective, the difference between just kind of traditional entrepreneurship of let me start something from scratch, no, 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 no real base versus grabbing a hold of a franchise and getting it started from that point. Is it the same or is there differences? No, it's completely different. Um, like Mark Cuban would never invest in a franchise because, mm. you know, I, I kind of, so I call them like true blooded entrepreneurs that just love the build. They love the chase. They love the build. They, they love everything that goes into it and they kind of have that, that motor. Sure. They, they have this mentality too, where like they want to be in control. They want to set the rules. They want to define the rules. They want to build the processes and everything. That is not a good fit for anybody who wants to become, invest in a franchise because that's the whole point of a franchise really is that you are, you're investing in the processes, the systems, the infrastructure, the stuff that's already been built. So the rules are already in place. Everything's already here. You, you kind of fall into it. You got it. Okay. So it's kind of like a like a entrepreneur light version. Um, mm. Not that it's any easier. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot of hard work, but but it but it can be just as rewarding. Both you know from a personal fulfillment standpoint, but also financially um, as well. But um, you know a lot of a lot of folks, most of the folks who I work with are coming out of the corporate world. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of call them corporate refugees. They're just. Um, for one reason or another, they just they just want to get out of the corporate world and do their own thing. They just don't have the idea, sure, and because it's tough coming up with the idea, yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then having the you know going with it and and under and figuring out if it's scalable enough to really you know provide the opportunity that you want, yeah. in your own business. So franchising kind of, and when we say franchising, let me let me qualify this real quick. Yeah, because, let's give um, some definitions. 
There, it, it, it's it's not all franchises by any means. Um, so there's you know there's quality franchise companies, there's average, and then there's the bottom um, franchise companies. So this is really referring to quality franchise companies that are out there. Um, and really, on the non-food side, um, I, that's that's where I've spent most of my career. So you kind of have food as one category, like McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell. They're they're franchised. Mm-hmm. And then you have the non-food side, which is kind of like everything else, like from value hair care, like a Supercuts franchise, all the way up to disaster restoration Yep, and everything in between. So, Very interesting. And, it, and so you're focusing on the non-food, because I know a couple of months back we had Landon Eccles on, who is the founder or co-founder of Clean Juice, and they're franchising. And he talked a lot about that process. And so what is the difference, in, and why would you specialize in non-food versus food? Like what's... What are the main characteristics that are different other than one serves food and one doesn't? Yeah, it, um, that's good. Well, but it has to do with the widget, um, you know, the, the offering. Okay. Um, so, you know, restaurants and really like food-based stuff. Like I know Landon and, and his business model is a little bit different than what I'm about to talk to you about. Okay. But um, food businesses, number one, they're really expensive to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, the square footage can be relatively high. There's a lot of equipment. You know, like a McDonald's has like 100 employees. I mean, it's not like it's a, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to that thing. So it's expensive. It tends to be like a higher volume, but a lower margin kind of business, which means it's a lot of work for not as big of a return. Sure. And the lifestyle can be tough because the hours that you need to be open, um, depending on the, you know, whatever, what, what it's serving, can be not as lifestyle friendly as a lot of other businesses can. Um, so generally, the, and, and at the end of the day, like there's all those things. I think you need to have some kind of a background in, in running a restaurant to, to be successful with gotcha. a traditional food franchise. So it's its own kind of animal. Yeah. Okay. So it has all those factors, whereas a lot of the other quality franchise companies that, that aren't food related, um, and I think Clean Juice would actually fall into this category. You, you don't need the industry experience. Sure. You need a motor, you need a drive, you need motivation, you need skills, certain kind of skills, um, but you don't have to have the industry experience. Okay. And so you kind of come in and, and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm interested in, I'm getting out of the corporate world. I'm interested in trying to figure out franchising opportunities and you're a matchmaker. Yep. That's it. So um, you have you kind of know what's out there and available, and what do you, you got some type of an assessment, some some way that to kind of get to know people to say, hey, you probably want to look towards these types of things because you're more passionate about that. Yeah, well, passion's an interesting word. Uh, we can talk about that. Um, so yes, I definitely have a process, and, and really, it's just getting to know the person really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know there's a questionnaire and stuff, but a lot of it comes down to just helping them understand what's out there because it, it it's very you know it's a lot of education because people don't know what sure. they don't know, and so I help them kind of get a feel for that. And then really, the biggest thing is helping them find businesses that yes, they they can they can get excited about, mm-hmm. but they're not too passionate about it because I think there has to be a balance between passion and like you know financial reality of what the business potential is. Gotcha. Um, but it also leverages their strengths. That's the that's the biggest thing that people don't really understand or think about when they're thinking about investing in a franchise is they, they tend to fall in love with the widget, which can be, that can be a little bit of a trap where mm. you fall in love with what the business offers as a customer, not really taking into consideration what it actually takes to run that business profitably and successfully, which could be a completely different skill set than yeah. what, they either have or even what they want to be doing sure. in our day to day kind of thing. What, what's what, what's an example of that? Um, well, you know, like um, so, I spent eight years with Advanta Clean, which is a disaster restoration company. Okay, so you know, outside looking in, you know, from the curb, you're like, you know, sucking water and cleaning mold and mm-hmm. cleaning air ducts. Like that business doesn't sound too exciting, but 
especially right now, it, it, it's an interesting business to be looking at. Um, it's very recession resistant, meaning you know when there's mm-hmm. when there's a when bad stuff happens to a home or a building, that customer has to call somebody. Sure. So the name of the game in that business is two things for the owner. You have to be comfortable developing business and developing relationships with realtors and property managers and anybody who's you know in and around home and buildings kind of thing. So you have to be comfortable getting out there and you know doing the business development track. Um, and experience helps with that. Okay. And the second piece is you have to be good at building a, a team of people. Um, and you know, there's a little bit of blue collar, you know, in that labor force, and and that's you know the, the type of folks that you'd be working with every day. You know, that that goes into kind of finding, I think, an ideal business for people too. So, um, so those the, that's a business where you know, and you outside looking in, you're like, why would I ever want that? Well, if you if you're good at business, developing business and you're good at leading people. That business has a lot of upside. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to the Coffee Break Podcast. If this information has been helpful to you or you just really kind of like our theme song, can you help us out by rating us on whatever app you're using? And if you get really fancy, how about sharing a screenshot on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn? Okay, enough of all this. Let's get back to the conversation. We had a, um, an issue here a, a couple of years ago where you, know, you you saw our coffee machine when you came in for a co- and had, had, a, had coffee at our coffee bar. That used to be in a different part of the building, and it, there's obviously water lines that go to to the machine, and something had happened where the water line had broken free, and uh, one of our team members came over the weekend, and there was water that was you know about an inch and a half uh, deep in the entire area where that was at, and we had to reach out to a, a disaster company to come in and rectify that. So to your point, like you didn't have a choice in that. It was... We've got standing water in here. We have to figure out a way to get this cleaned up. So through that process, it's it's trying to understand. Okay, you know what is some what is a good opportunity that's that you can get into that you can one connect with, find an understanding about, and then also figure out a way to actually continue to bring it to market versus because it's not just going to run itself. That was that was one of the big things that I think stuck out to me when the conversation I had with Landon just from a reference point is he kept saying and repeating over and over again don't think that buying a franchise is an easy way into business. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of people think that they buy buy into it as a part-time job and ultimately become frustrated or disengaged with it. So how do you, how do you work to avoid something like that from happening? Yeah, it's um, cause that's a, that's a pretty personal thing, right? Like mm-hmm. people's perspectives on business ownership. Cause you ask anybody and they're going to have, you know, I think everybody has a different opinion about it. Right. Sure. Um, so there's again kind of going into the education, you know, as you're as I'm working with somebody up front, just kind of, you know, hey, tell me why, you know, what's your why? Like why why do you want to do this? And and if if their why isn't inspiring or powerful, then it's yeah. kind of like, all right, like, you know, this might not be the right path for you to go down. Their why is I'm tired of working. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to sit back and make money and, you know, buy a franchise. That's and, probably yeah, not gonna work. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I don't think I can I don't think I can help you. Sure. Um, so there's, you know, there's that, but, but really just kind of getting like understanding people's motivation and, and why they'd want to open up their own business is that is the key um, to it, um, in my opinion. So, so do you like do you have a story of somebody that you've helped to connect with where they're just like really this is this is the this is a really good scenario. This person came in, they came from this background and then I partnered up with this type of franchise and it's just been amazing for them. Yeah. I got a, I got a good one. Um, so there, there's, so this, this, this candidate that I worked with, I call him candidates. It's, you know, um, his name's John. He's in, he's in Memphis, real estate guy, 
Okay. Just had made, been very successful. Came out of the corporate world, got into real estate, had been pretty successful with residential rentals and stuff like that, but wanted to diversify. And he came to me and he said, you know, Drew, here's what I'm thinking. And, and sometimes, you know, again, he's kind of in that like entrepreneur category a little bit, but, sure. but he didn't want to have to reinvent the wheel. That was the big thing. He just wanted to invest in something that, you know, would be a good business that he could run. And, and his big thing was it has to be semi-absentee. I have to be able to, to have a manager run that thing day to day. And I oversee it. I'm in kind of a CEO type role. And there are certain businesses that, that enable that in franchising. So we got him into... Um, Value Hair Care. Okay. Yeah, Smart Style is the name of the chain. It's uh, it's owned by the same company that owns Supercuts called Regis Corporation. Okay. And um, he, st- he started with a few, and now he owns like 30. This is like in like two years. Wow. I talked to him the other month, and I was like, hey, John, what's going on? He's like, oh, I just, you know, I'm just opening like five more Smart Styles. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and so he's got this massive empire that he's been building, and... um that was kind of a cool story because you just, you know, it's one of these businesses that, you know, value hair care yeah. in, in, in a Walmart. Like, come on. But he's, it's, you know. But it clicked with him and he just, it's just, it's working. It manager run and, and value hair care when the government doesn't shut them down tends to be a pretty, pretty recession resistant business, if you know what I mean. Because people think about it like, sure. Like everybody coming out of the lockdown, what's the one thing that everybody in America needed, to, wanted to do? Yeah, that's true. Get their hair cut. Yeah. Um, and it's just hair is going to grow. And so it's, it's, um, and this company has done a good job of, of they, they only, they, they specifically want business franchise owners that want nothing to do with the customers. They're comfortable delegating mm. and building a team of people to run the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. And that's what opens up kind of the opportunities and some of that semi-absentee stuff. So what makes a good franchise? Like when you're, when you're looking at something like that, or what's the point of it outside of, I mean, a hair care, a value, value hair care. Is that what you called it? Value hair? What? Value hair care. Yeah. Value hair care. Okay. Value hair care. What is the difference between buying into something like that versus me going down the road, getting a spot and bringing in some stylist and saying, take off? Yeah. You might like to do that because of, you know, you've built a successful, you know, independent business of your own, right? Um, the, it, time, acceleration, you know, the fact that you don't have to figure all the stuff out that goes into it, especially like on the labor piece of it, like that, you know, knowing who to hire and how to hire that, you know, the, the type of people you need and to run a business, that, that, that's a big piece of it. Um, gotcha. I think the marketing and advertising ends up being probably the biggest tangible um, value that a good franchise company okay. offers. Because they the, the really good franchise companies, they understand how to acquire customers down to a science. Gotcha. They know, hey, if you invest in this Facebook campaign with this vendor and you mm-hmm. make and you and you put this offer out there. Your, your, your optimal spend should be about $1,000 a month. Sure. It shouldn't go above it, shouldn't go below it, and you should see this ROI. Don't do yellow page advertising. We've tried it. You know, that's the thing of the past. It, it's just going to save you money. So, so I, they basically bring a set of best practices. This is, we know this works. This is what you need to do. Yep. And then like in other businesses, like, like the disaster restoration business, yep. like you mentioned it, when, when a customer calls, if you answer the phone call when, they, when, they, when that customer calls, you have a chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we centralized the call center. So whenever somebody from around the country would call, a customer would call an Advantage Clean local office, they think they're calling the local office, they go to a call center, which we ran as, a, as the franchisor because it was important to that business. But also, number two, that, that the franchisees don't have to staff for that piece of the business locally. They save a bunch of money and time. And we could do it really well centrally. And so, um, so that was like another example of something, like a tangible type of service that mm. 
that good franchise companies are offering to the franchises. So there's there's some value in that if if you're trying to you know start up a service business if if a franchise has that as an option where it kind of offloads a lot of the the customer procurement side of things and allows you to go out and kind of operate the business that's a a big it's a big component of of operating a, a service business is being able to receive phone calls and process information if they already have a system and process down per, process down for that then that is a major time savings for you because I can tell you we're connected with a lot of security professionals all across the country and that is the the process of receiving customer information and, and processing that workflow is completely different for every business. So having kind of some standards and some best practices in place would definitely be beneficial. Yeah, and and, and it um, you know it's it's a lot of these little things, you mm-hmm. know, but they kind of all end up adding up to a big effect of uh, you know accelerate getting the cash flow fat getting the cash flow positive faster sure and then I, I, I you know honestly I think in the in the franchise world you know call it half a million to a million dollars in revenue kind of size businesses mm-hmm. you know, I I've, my, my belief is you see a you see a higher resale value too down the road on a of a franchise business com, an existing franchise business compared to an existing independent business sure. for a lot of the same reasons that we're talking about so I think I think you you know uh, a potential franchisee, if they're they're thinking of getting into a business, you know, and then flipping it in eight to ten years down the road, then you know there's a little bit of a way to look at it from the exit strategy too. It's essentially an owner's manual for a business at that point, right? We we have this conversation quite a lot in in the circles that I that I run in, and people are are constantly like looking. We're looking for best practices. We're looking for advice. We're looking for input. Way others other people are doing things, and at the end of the day, it's like. Well, there's not an owner's manual to figure all this out. There's not something that says this is how you have to do everything. It's it's a lot of testing and and figuring it out and do that. So with a franchise, it's it's kind of like, hey, here's here's the owner's manual, and follow this process, follow these guidelines, and you will see success if you put in the hard work. It's not guaranteed, but if you follow these processes and put in the hard work, then you're going to get the results. Yeah. And if something comes up, call us, you know, you have that support network or you can call a franchise owner. That's, you know, you've got this, that's one of like the intangible things that people don't really think about is that there's this network of other entrepreneurs that are building the exact same business that you're building around the country. Yeah. Some people might be three years ahead of you Well, you can call that person and say, Hey, can you, can you help me just, you know, mm. you mentor me or Building can I pick your brain? Yeah. I, I ran into this issue and, oh yeah, yeah, I ran into that three years ago. Here, do this. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you. You just saved me a lot of time and effort. Um, I, cause we're making this stuff sound pretty easy. Like it, it, sure. It's turnkey, but it's, you know, it, it's the, it's the implementation, the art of the implementation of, by the franchise mm-hmm. owner is the key to this whole thing. So some people, which, which is where you kind of see some some variance in franchising, though, is, sure. um, you know, what, is, what does hard work mean to you? Yeah. And what does it mean to me? Well, but, but at the end of the day, when you're investing into a franchise, from my understanding, and, and you're the expert on this, but you're, they're essentially, for the, for the value that you're paying for it, they're providing you with the resources and support. And I, what I would simplify it down to, and I know this is an oversimplification, but a, a checklist of, okay, I want to, I need to open up this branch. So I've got to find these locations. Here are the types of locations where these, this business fits in best. So go look here. Then you need to procure this and this and this and this. And it's essentially a formula plan, a, a, a execution strategy versus, okay, 
going back to our thing before, I, I go down the street and find a space and decide I'm going to start my own hair care business. Well, there's a, there's a lot of things I don't know that I need to expect for it and that I'll figure those out at some point in time, mm-hmm. probably the hard way. But this is a, this is kind of a, a predetermined list of tasks that need to be done. You got it. It, it, it kind of boils down to this. And this is both from like why a company would franchise as an, cause it's an expansion strategy and why would somebody invest in a franchise? Okay. Cause it's, it's an economic, it's, it's an investment. Sure. It, it is, is, it's not, it's not just to play around. I mean, this is, this is to make money and, and create an asset that you can hopefully sell. Right. And, and have a better lifestyle that you can, you couldn't get in the corporate world or whatever. So basically franchise companies give up the bottom line profits that they have developed that they know work. Mm-hmm in exchange for a small amount of the top line revenue in royalty. Gotcha. So they give away the bottom line profits to the franchisee, which is the, that's the franchise owner's benefit is, okay, hey, this business model these guys have developed, this is, this is the kind of profit, this is the investment, and this is what we should make if we replicate the business model the way that they've developed it. And that's the art of a, fran- a good franchisor is they know how to help people replicate yep. their business and, and goes into all that stuff. So that's kind of like the... That's the harmony in in franchising when it when it's a good fit and works really well. Can you copy this key? That's a question we get asked about 3,422 times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems, so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDock.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDock Security, helping you protect your people and your property. So kind of moving along to I'm a business and I'm like, okay, you know, kicking around the idea. Maybe maybe I should start franchising locations. Maybe I should turn into we think we've got a good process down my kind of navigating to that type of a conversation. But before we get to that, what is, is your, from your, evaluate your evaluation standpoint. So you're, you're value, evaluating a potential uh, franchise owner, but you also, because you're in that matchmaker role, you're also evaluating the available franchises. What are things that you look at and go, this is a really bad franchise stay stay clear of this these are some proven things that just are not good what are things that you should be looking for that would kind of scare you away from it versus the ones that are like hey yeah this is this is solid you want to you want to go after this yeah um that's a great question um so the first the first kind of filter is territory okay is you know where does where does a prospective franchise owner where do they want to have their business okay and what kind of territory is left and you know, in Charlotte, right? Like there's sweet spots typically for different types of businesses. There tends to be sweet spots. Okay. Um, if all the sweet spots are gone, but this franchisor is like, oh yeah, we'll, you know, you know, we'll, we'll go out to, you know, another county um, that maybe doesn't, you know, have the ideal demographics, then, you know, I'm not going to necessarily waste somebody's time with, with that. Um, so that's the first thing. So I put a ton of weight in leadership, you know, the, the leader, the leadership of the company and their commitment to franchising, which is what we'll probably talk about next in, in franchising your business successfully. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I put a lot of weight in, in the leadership and who they are and, and how I, you know, if I've gotten good vibes or not from them. And, um, and then, you know, it kind of, to, to me, the biggest thing is, is just the, what does it take 
to make that business go from the role of the owner? And how does that overlay with the strengths and what, what my candidate would want to be doing? Those are kind of the, the big things. Um, red flags wise, like you can, you can kind of, you can, you can glance at their, there's a thing called a franchise disclosure document, mm-hmm. which is, um, it's kind of like a prospectus that the federal trade commission makes every franchise company provide to franchisees. Um, that you can glance at that and you can see their track record. So for the past three years, you can see kind of how a franchise company, they have to disclose any outlet that they've opened and any that have closed. Got it. So you can, you can do a quick sniff test if they're, you know, on a positive trend. That's sure. That's good. If they're, if they're not, we've then, opened a thousand locations and closed 900 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's one thing. That's a big thing. And then, um, and then funding is a huge piece of this too, right? Like helping, helping my candidates get connected with the right people that can help them figure out what the right funding strategy is going to be. Um, cause that's 50% of the battle is coming in properly capitalized. Sure. And, um, and there's a lot of different ways to fund franchises, but some people are more comfortable, you know, investing more of their personal, you know, net worth than others kind of thing, which that, that defines a lot of it. But, um, basically the, the, the biggest distinction is this, do you want to be a full-time business owner, jump into a business full-time and get into kind of a, you know, a low overhead business that, that you, that you're going to, you're going to kind of, you're going to grow that thing from mm-hmm. day one. You're going to be involved in the business and then get it to a point, maybe over a point of few years where you're going to then have a team of people running it or, do you want to look at some semi-absentee franchises too that are more manager run that you, you're comfortable delegating to a manager and hiring? You have to be really good at hiring people mm-hmm. in that model, but um, that that tends to be a pretty big filter too that that sends us down certain paths. Kind of what is what is the ownership involvement? How does that process look? And then that's that's a, a big filter. <laughs> you go to A and B, and then from that you can start diving into it. Yep. So if I if I'm now kind of in a business and I'd say okay. I, I think we have a process. We've got, you know, we have A, B, C, D, whatever. And now I want to start figuring out what is the process to actually bring this thing to market? Because at that point, you know, I've got to get with somebody like you to say, hey, I need you to help me connect with potential buyers. But what do I need to do to have my house in order to get into that process? Yeah, um, a lot. Uh, so, <laughs> a lot. Um, all right, so, so <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> it's... Um, all right, so you have the legal piece of it, mm-hmm. and then you have like the operational reality piece of it. Legal piece of it, there's there's a couple things. You have to have the trademark, okay, and then you have to put together what's called a franchise disclosure document, which some franchise attorney is going to charge you fifty grand to put together, basically. Um, but that that checks the legal piece with um, with. The, in the eyes of the Federal Trade Commission. We should figure out a way to disfranchise lawyers because that's really, I mean, that's where you really, really make your money. Mm. Just charge some crazy. Anyways, yeah, sorry. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> enough talking about lawyers. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so they're going to help you to, to put together that document. Yeah. And, that, and then in, in the eyes of the Federal Trade Commission, you're good in most states. Mm-hmm. Now, some states, not North Carolina, but some states have other state-based regulations, but you can you can choose not to expand into those states first um, mm. and kind of just, just go with the states that adopt the FTC rules. Gotcha. So legally, you're good, yeah. which, believe it or not, there are a lot of companies that claim to be a franchise and just don't have those two things put together. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no watchdog, really, out there that's governing this thing. So it's, you know. So they're not, maybe they're not necessarily franchises. They're just kind of additional branches that they've, they've brought, that brought additional investors in. But anyways, but yep. so, but the, the proper way to do it, have a trademark and have your franchise documentation. Yep. You got it. Now, operationally, I think we talked about this. It's like, you know, 
number one, it's an expansion strategy, right? Um, so I think I think the big one of the considerations is capital. You know, do do, do you want to um, give up? You know, the the bottom line profits of potential additional locations around the country. Um, in exchange for maybe not having to invest as much capital opening sure. those those locations. Um, are you okay giving up a little bit of control um, at the local level, you know, on your baby? Because um, yeah. your baby might look a little dif- bit different in each city, depending on, you know, the owners. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you're ready to have some more kids because that's what it's like. You know, once you start expanding and, and partnering with people in a, in, in a franchising relationship, um, you're married. Um, and they're going to go through their growth as just like a child does of their stages of development. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to go through some development as a business owner. You need to be ready to kind of nurture that and be prepared for it and support people in different ways. Um, which that dynamic, that's it, a, it's a unique dynamic. Yeah. Um, so there's the, the biggest takeaway that I've had when I've had conversations with people that have, that have franchised their business is it. Ultimately, your business model changes from what you were doing to now being a franchisor, right? Yeah. And that, that's, that is your new business model is selling the business model. And it, it requires a whole different subset. It's, it's not just as most franchises are not a part-time endeavor. It's not a part-time part of the process. It is a full-time launch and you have a full team that manages it, especially as you continue to grow it. Um, because you're now managing an overall brand strategy, you're managing the processes, you're managing the implementation strategies, and and supporting the franchisees. So now you're you it's a it's a separate business that is also kind of managing. Uh, you're you're managing two different business models simultaneously. Yeah, well said. It is it is different different type of business. You're a replicator essentially, and you're teaching people to replicate the business that. Um, you know, there's going to be some variance in who that who piece is, sure. um, and um, which it could be very exciting because you're now having the ability to pour into other people and see those other people succeeding and uh, kind of supporting them. But it is you're not doing what you were doing before, or I guess the alternative is you just you hire somebody to come in and run the franchise business. But you're essentially it's it's two totally different animals. Yeah. Well said. And, and then culture, I think, I think values change a little bit too, as you get into the franchise piece of it, because, um, you know, there has to be an entrepreneurial angle to the culture of the company because mm-hmm. you're, you're empowering, you know, a lot of people who are first time business owners, depending on, depending on the issue. Sure. I mean, it, you know, maybe you don't want to go after first time business owners Kind of depends on, on that, you know, that ideal franchisee. Yep. But, um, I do think that there's a little bit of a shift in culture too, um, for everybody, you know, especially the, the 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 people that your team, the people that have built this successful business and and have been operating it for so many years, um, you know, to to have you know the the right mindset to help other people, you know, learn that business and and be successful with it. Very interesting. So, I guess my big takeaway from this is that if it's something that you're looking into, you have to ju- you have to dive wholeheartedly into trying to franchise your business. It's not something that you can take a passive role in. It's something you have to dive into. And if you're looking at buying a franchise, be in that same mindset for the most part. Now, once you get started, maybe you have the ability to expand those, those franchise locations and have more of an oversight role, but your initial kind of dive into it, you're going to have to really understand what's going on with the business and be involved just like you would. It's not necessarily a super easy road, but it's, it could be easier than starting it totally from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well said. Well, cool. 
summarize that up pretty easily. <laughs> cool. Drew, thank you very much for uh, kind of stopping in today. Hopefully, you know, people that are watching or listening have uh, kind of found some value out of the conversation. Maybe it's something they're interested in looking into. If they are, how are they getting uh, in contact with you? Yeah, they, uh, just I think the first thing is just knowing how to spell my first name, and then you can find me. Uh, my, so my, my first name is Drew. I spelled D-R-U. Last name is Carpinito. So just go, I, I don't think there's many Drew Carpinitos in the country. So you can just Google me, and um, I've got a website and all that kind of stuff. But it's... Uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. The website is just your name? It's just my name. Very yep. cool. Just a reminder, you're listening to the Coffee Break Podcast. Also, we wanted to let you know that our team puts together a weekly blog post. You can find it at locdoc.net slash blog. It's guaranteed to raise your IQ by 12 points or your money back. So it's pretty much a win-win. All right, back to the conversation. Drew, thank you very much for being here today and for being uh, part of the conversation at the Coffee Break Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in today. If this is your first time watching or listening, well, we've got plenty of these episodes out there. And with more information like this, maybe it's about franchising, maybe it's about setting up your business for uh, project management or sales, how to build a sales team or marketing, lots of topics. You can find them all at lockdoc.net slash podcast. They're all there for you. And we have it in video and audio. Version. So we would invite you to go check that out and you can subscribe. We have a brand new episode every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And we've been doing that for the last two years. So uh, go ahead and get in there and hit subscribe because you don't want to miss a new one. And there's plenty of them for you to go back and listen to and watch to get caught up. We look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast. <laughs>